0: Morning can you all hear me yes. Yes. okay good so we're not using my crane uh, you are at the uh, panel that is entitled how to win at being a player as presented by the smart party i got that bit right that's the last of that so <laughs> Hello, I'm, uh, I'm allegedly... I'm a good
1: friend of Jackson Iron.
0: Coming to that, oh, yeah, it's, right. their, it's their podcast. It is, it's their, it is. They booked the seminar. It's a lot smoother without you two guys in it, isn't it Get it. You, yeah. Get yourself out of it. So, uh, hello, I'm Mike Mason. I i am uh, the Call of Cthulhu Creative Director at Chaosium, and I'm not quite sure why I'm here, but apparently they need some moderation, which I do know, that is true. So uh, I'm joined today by some illustrious people who have, uh, some of them have uh, actually written games or had some involvement in games. Uh, some of them just have a big opinion. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that to you to decide. Uh, i start with my uh, good colleague here, who will introduce himself. Hi, I'm Gaz Bellbank.
2: I'm one half of What Would Smart Party Do? we playing podcast. Now in hundreds of episodes, so do go on and listen to that. We've been playing games for generations.
0: And uh, the, the other half of your illustrious team is...
3: Hello, I'm Baz. I'm the one who's not Gaz. Um, I'm the southern one. He's the northern one and we're obviously not allowed to sit next to each other. You literally cannot cross these streams. We don't podcast in the same room, and I don't think I've ever met him.
0: Uh,
3: hello, mate. How are you doing? All right. Good to see you in the flesh. 120
0: episodes down. Good to see you. <laughs> and then there's another podcast, allegedly, that exists. And this, uh, this gentleman here will tell you all about that.
1: Hello, I'm Paul Fricker. I'm one of the hosts of The Good Friends of Jackson Elias. We talk about uh, Cthulhu and horror role-playing games and stories. And I'm here to... Uh, Talk about how to be a better player.
0: Right. So I assume everyone in the room already is a better player, that none of you are rubbish. Yeah? That would be a correct assumption, I hope. But if you are rubbish, then hopefully this podcast will clear up a few things for you, and so you'll be a better player and know how to win.: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's how you win well, at role-playing
2: games. is that right? Yeah, that's fair. Nice. If you talk to people that aren't role players or gamers, and you say, oh, "I'm playing this to this games weekend, I'm going to play some games." And the first question you get asked back straight away is, well, how do I win? Or how do you win? Or, like, who's the winner? Did you win? Is there something you get when you come back? So winning, in our sense, is probably having fun. But that advice that you get quite often off people with saying, like, just have fun is not our because we'll have different ways of getting fun. So probably my first starting opening gambit for how to be a better player is that when you sit down for a game, whether you're jamming or playing, you are all our player. The GM has a slightly different role. So they've got a different set of things they have to do, maybe a different set of rules. But let's all try and get to a point where we're all players and all trying to help each other out. So the first point I think I've got is to say, even as a player, to get better is just try and be part of the team. And everybody around the table is there to, to create the fun. Don't just rely on one person who's got a GM screen or whatever else to be providing that for you. If you all take on equal responsibility socially, then you're going to get a better game out of it.
0: But okay. it isn't Baz, isn't, isn't the job of the GM, though, to kill all the player characters? Absolutely. It, it's a them thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's totally us
3: to them, and that's why you have a screen. I mean, these things have been around for decades. They are there for a purpose. Um, If you haven't killed the players within the first 10 minutes, arguably you're not doing your job right. Uh, But on on the understanding that players may come back for more, maybe I will reluctantly admit that you should do some stuff to try and encourage them to have fun. I don't know if that's really sustainable. But, yeah, why don't we have more players at games? I mean, as a GM, most of the time, and I think most of us are GMs most of the time, arguably what do we know about playing games? But we do get to watch people play quite a lot. And I play in Paul's games more than than most. I mean, you know, that's where I get my playing experience. And I think one of the things that I would suggest is that if you want to be a better player, be a GM. Um, If you want to be a a better GM, be a a player. Um, You learn a lot about what's on the other side of that screen quite a lot, and to back up Gaz's point, I think you know these days, and these days being the 21st century, so the last 20 years or so, the idea of a GM screen and it being us versus them has is, is really evaporated largely, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you just From simple things like seeing the GM sit on the side of the table rather than the head wearing a Viking hat, that's probably a step forward, maybe. Um, having the GM be considered one of the players is a good thing, but Have a look in your rule books and and see how many chapters there are on how to improve your GMing. See how many books you can buy which say how to be a better GM. How many are there for how to be a better player? There's not much, if anything. Um, You might see a few blog posts about it. uh, But it does seem to be that as a player, still, you might be expected to just come along and suck up whatever you're given. I'm not sure that's right for the 21st century.
0: I seem to remember, Paul, uh, you might have written something once that talked about some sort of collaborative shared story or something. I'm not sure where I remember that from,
1: but um, does that ring any bells? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But when I was thinking about this seminar, I was thinking, how do you try and improve um, your role as a player? And I racked my brain and Because you tend to sort of think about your own experience. And like you were saying, it's good to be on the other side of the the screen. But most of my sort of thoughts, I'm thinking about good players I've seen over the years. So I've run, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people who have been playing for a long time here. And over the years, particularly running at (coughs) conventions, I was having a a quick kind of estimate. I must have run games for like hundreds of people at the table. And it's interesting that some of those sort of stick in your mind for things they did, things they brought to the game. And conversely, there are some that you sort of think that's not such good behaviour or such good traits that sort of perhaps detract from the game. So hopefully we can pull some of those things out.
0: So I've turned it to a game. Uh, I don't know anyone else at the game. It's maybe a convention or whatever. I've been given a character, or maybe we're doing a very quick fire character generation in five minutes. Um, What do I, you know how do I make sure my character gets a spotlight in the game? What, what's, as a player, what's, what's my responsibility in doing that?
2: Uh, well, you have a responsibility for getting what's on your character sheet out into the session. So I think that's probably something, certainly with like, hidden agenda games or where you've got a secret, uh, quite often players are going to think, well, I'm going to keep this back. Uh, and I would suggest don't hold that back, actually progress it forward, because in a four-hour slot or whatever you've got, getting that information from the sheet out is probably more important than hiring to yourself. Because no one will remember what you didn't say at the session. They'll remember what you did. So it's probably worthwhile looking at your character sheet and seeing what you've got that you can throw as a ball into the session to help other people know what your character's like. So it might be something as simple as looking at your character sheet and seeing you've got strength 18. Well, don't just say that. Explain your fuse of iron or you know, give a little scene about how you go to the bar and you accidentally smash the glass in your hand because you've beefy sausages like fingers or whatever. you know. So there might not be a lot of stuff on the character sheet, it might just be numbers but you can turn that into role playing. and if there is stuff written on the character sheet, just have a look for one or two things you can bring out and bring them out in the game and then keep hitting that point you can think of different ways of saying how you're strong, you rip the door handle off or people get out of the way of you or whatever it is so the first thing is, advertise what's on your character sheet to other
0: players because they haven't seen your sheet and don't know what's on it. So, um, but what happens if we get into a scene and we get to a point where Something happens and my character wouldn't do that. What would you do then as a player?
3: My character wouldn't do that. It's responsible for so many ills in the hobby. Um, I think, I think like, immersion is a thing that's a good thing in gaming. Like If you can get immersed in your character and you're like, playing your own little script in your head and you can see it and smell it and taste it and you're really enjoying yourself, that is a facet of the hobby which is undeniably a good thing. Um, however, those moments realistically can be quite fleeting. And there's a whole bunch of stuff where you, you, I think it pays to remember you are also playing a game. Um, and sometimes that gets glossed over in robots. They, they seem to think that all you want to do is pretend to be that vampire or that elf or whatever. You are also playing a game, and it is a collaborative effort. You are playing with other people around the table. I don't think there's anything wrong with just admit, admitting that to yourself and going, all right, I could just do whatever my character wants, but there are four or five other people around this table as well. And is what I'm about to do As fun as it sounds right now, is it really just like rolling a little hand grenade into the middle of our game, watching it blow up, and then everything's destroyed, and you feel good about yourself for two seconds, but then there's no more game, or the game has gone in a direction that could have easily be headed off just by going, the classic is don't split the party, that's there because, yeah, I know that in fiction and in films that Scooby-Doo goes down the swamp on his own, I know he does, And, and that's fine every now and again, but your poor old GM is just trying to get the game going for everybody. And if everyone runs off and does their own personal agendas, then have you really had a great game that night? Or did you just have a solo activity while other people were in the room? And there's a word for that, and we shouldn't do it. <laughs> I
0: mean, having said that, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. Uh, if your group, as a group, discusses that pre-hand and goes, we are happy to split up, and the key GM is happy to, to do that, and people understand that by saying their agreement, they know that the 20 minutes of the game, they're not going to be playing. They're going mm-hmm. to be watching other people play the game until it's their turn. Mm-hmm. Now, some groups are happy to do that. Other groups, people will find that boring and not a good experience. But it varies group to group, doesn't it?
1: I think so. I think that's one of the good things about a game like D&D, where you're all together as a party in the dungeon and you've all got a role, so you tend to stay together. Other games perhaps don't play to that so strongly, but I'd like to pick up one of the things you said about, Mm -hmm. you know, what would your character do? That character in front of you on the character sheet is something you made up. What you decide it's going to do, it doesn't decide what it's going to do. You decide what it's going to do. So you can't sort of say, oh yeah, but my character wouldn't do that because it's up to you. So I think sometimes what I feel is I don't feel this action doesn't feel right for my character like I was playing uh, Mars and Arctep uh, at the Milton Keynes Club with Matt Sanderson. And we'd, we'd done the first chapter and we'd already played through Escape from Innsmouth. So with the same characters, we'd played around with the timeline a little bit and then we moved on to Mars in New York. And suddenly we're picking up on this thing that you know, is perhaps going to take us abroad and we're investigating this cult or whatever's going on. And I thought, well, why is my character doing this? Because he's got a profession in New York, he's got other things that in his life. You know, why would he head off around the world? And I thought, well, it's not for the GM to tell me, oh, Paul, your character, you know, needs to do this because of X, Y, and Z. It's really down to me to have a think. So me and Matt put our heads together, and we sort of thought, well, we our characters have seen terrible things in the world, and now we're picking up on hints that it's happening, you know, elsewhere. Well obviously we're like obsessed, we've become obsessed with this and we want to stop it. So we kind of took it on our own shoulders to change our motivation of our characters. Because I think, you know, if you meet somebody in the bar at lunchtime, an old guy with a beard, and he's got a map, and he says, there's treasure down in the dungeons in London. If you go down the sewer outside, and you're like, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? If it's it's a role-playing game and, you know... That's that's the setup. Then you can sort of think, well, buy into oh, the premise uh, of the game, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you have to buy in and you'd be like, oh yeah. Uh, well, how about my my uh, brother went missing, and he was talking about going down those dungeons. So suddenly, I've got a motivation to kind of buy into it. So you have to. It's it's often put on the the shoulders of the GM, I think, to give you a motivation to engage with the scenario, and and that's a common thing in Call of Cthulhu, particularly that people ask, well. Why would the players get involved? That's a you know, common question from GMs online. And often say, well, put it to the players and say, why are you getting involved? You know, why is your character, what, what motivates your character to, to go off to this spooky old house? You know, Is it monetary reward? Is it something in your family? Is it you've been having dreams? You know, try and tie them in. And it, it may be that there's something in the scenario that you can reciprocate. And sort of latch into.
0: There's also, there is also the, I think you know, what Baz said is that you're playing a game and I'm choosing to be part of this game because it's fun. And, and I don't really care about my motivation because it's fun. My character's just going to go and do it because it's fun because I will enjoy and have a great experience and unexpected things will happen. And that's as good a justification of why your character is doing something as anything you want to create in game as well.
2: So, so I think drawing out from what you guys have said, probably the, the bit that's sticking with me is you can divorce yourself from the character yeah so you can say my character wouldn't do this is what you think based on what's happened and its experience and what you've done but you as a player can sit back or talk to other players and go my character's going to need some convincing to do this because he wouldn't normally do that kind of thing so what are you guys going to say to me to do that and then as a character they can respond to your character and say xyz this is why we need your help but you don't have to sit there as a player going someone else has got to convince me because of what my character will do split the two things up and go my character doesn't want to go around to Egypt or wherever now, so why would you do that? And then as players, you can discuss it and then get back into character and go, this is why, that's why, okay, that makes sense. So the narrative and the integrity of the character is maintained because it's a different thing than what you are personally. So don't, as a player, say, my character's not going to go there because he wouldn't. Think of
0: why the player would. Think. Well, you're just putting up a wall, aren't you, too? Yeah, you are. You're a wall, you're blocking your phone. Or, or you're then. just
1: eventually disconnecting because you, you, sometimes you just go along you just because you can tell the the GM's got a story to tell, and it's like I don't really know why we're going here, mm. but apparently the next thing's you know in that town over there. Well, let's just go along with it. And it's yeah. like you're not really buying into it then. Yeah, you will be. You will judge yourself
3: at the end of your session as to whether you, you had a good session or not by the actions that you took in the game. You won't really, I don't think, judge your success in the game by did you cleave to the backstory that you had prepared before you showed up, because. Nobody cares about that. Even you don't care about it that much, let's be honest. <laughs> and, and like normal people, things can change given circumstances. I personally wouldn't go into a sewer to fight monsters. I know that Paul would. <laughs> Gaz, Gaz might make me do it. But <laughs> can you know, with, enough, with enough motivation, it will happen. But my motivation is I want to engage with the game today. And my justification for that will be, at the end of the day, judge me by my actions, not what I had written on my character sheet. So to Gaz's point, does everybody else at the table know the kind of things that I do? Do they remember my exploits? Do they remember what we did as a team? Not, did I really play up that lawful good paladin thing that was written at the top of my sheet, which meant I was just going to be a dick for an hour. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, And and if you are in a role-playing convention, then I think Gaz's point is right. You just grab a highlighter and try and pick out the two or three things that you're going to play up for that session. If you're making your own character... Just be careful to not fall into those traps of like, well, I'm going to basically play Wolverine because that's what I do, which means I'm a loner and I'm a sadist and I just massacre people and I don't talk to anyone and I'm immortal. Mm-hmm. It looks good in a comic, but in a in a team effort role playing game, those things just suck the life out of everybody else's fun. So it's about not being selfish. Yeah. Is that a good thing for a player? Don't be selfish. Yeah, you
2: mentioned the phrase "they're playing up," which is something I think it's come from the Nordic Lyps, which was where I first heard it. Anyway, but that's using other pe- what other people have said to, to build them up as well. So if I've said, my character's got 18 strength, but in perhaps more clever phrasing than that, then the other players at the table here might then use that as well themselves to reincorporate it. So when we walk into the bar, Mike might say, okay, well, obviously, everybody's going to step out of the way of your character because he's such a hulking brute. Or you try and pick up what other people said and reincorporate that in game as players. So if, once you know someone's intimidating or charming or whatever, you could add that into your fiction of the game to describe what's happening to their character for them as well, to pick out those traits. So it's not just, I've got to produce my character and play that as well. Look at how you can boost what other people are saying about their
0: characters to make it
2: real in the game fiction.
0: Absolutely. But it's okay if I need to go on my phone for a bit when I'm not actually doing anything in the game, yeah? It's
1: all right with me. <laughs> so it comes around to you, Mike, and it's like, Bazadis. is, you know, he's a, particularly in a combat scene, I find this. Bazad is go... As that is go, Mike. What are you doing? Oh, you looking at your
0: phone? Well, I put, I, put, like, I, put that, I put that down because my go isn't it? So. Yeah.
1: Are you? What are you doing though?
0: You, uh, well, what did, what did you just
1: do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the orc. Where's the orc? What was the orc? Is the, the orc? The orc is sorry, orc, who's that guy? Is he hit someone on the How many or? are left? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're playing some board games are great for this. So I play Ticket to Ride quite a lot. And each go, you either pick up trains or you lay down trains. So it's always one thing, and there's nothing that's going to stand in the way of you doing that. In a in a, uh, a combat scene, I think particularly combat scenes, because you want them to be well-oiled and kind of moving fairly quickly, their action, their drama, so chases, combat, stuff like that needs to move fairly quickly. Think about, pay attention and think about what you're going to do as soon as it comes around to you in the initiative turn. Uh, because... You know, I've played it both ways, and if people are having to sort of stop and think, and obviously if it's, you're new to the game, or it's a one-shot and you're not familiar with it, then there's a different expectations. But if it's a campaign that you're in, an ongoing story, you know, kind of hit the mark and, and know what to do. Um, the onus is on you to know, know how your spells work, know how your, know what things to add together when you're making an attack or, you know, making rolls.
0: you're saying doing a bit of homework?
1: Yeah, players love homework. (laughs) Uh, We've we've had this and it's like, yeah, I think I'll just ask the players to read up on this, you know, several pages of background information. I'm like, they won't do it. (laughs) One will do it. Another one will kind of scan it. Another guy will say, I didn't have time. Somebody won't have even got the email. And you can't rely on it. So yeah, you can pretty much bet your GM in most types of games. I'm talking generally here. Most games, the GM has taken on most of the work for prep for the next session. So, you know, play your role and, and put in some prep. And maybe, like, communicate with the, the GM between sessions and say, you know, could my character do this, that or the other?
0: What about, if I, you know, I'm particularly attentive, though. Mm, good. And, and I, I'm listening, yeah, and i am seeing start. what's going on, yeah. And um, But because I'm really enjoying the game, I do want to be involved in everything. So, I am in the dungeon, but i'm but now that you're on the stairs talking about empty, I'm now there because I want to be involved because you've got yeah?
2: your teleportation ring and then, yeah
0: you're, you're you know you're you're in the other room about to open that box, which I think's got gold, so I'm now there with you yeah mm-hmm. that's okay because I'm, I'm I'm really actively being part of the game, aren't i? I mean every scene
3: there's those weird players who, when you <laughs> yeah. say, it's your go what do you want to do they go ah 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 don't know, don't know, all right, well, I'll come back to you. You, what do you want to do? And the first player pipes goes, oh, I know what everyone else should do. I've got a perfectly good plan for everybody else. When it's their go, I'll be quarterbacking that play at every single stage. You want to be over there. You use that healing spell. You go down in the sewers on your own. You're really good at that. Yeah, but what do you want to do? I don't know so much. And they won't take advice from anybody else. So clearly, clearly, it's about taking turns, children. All right, my go, your go, our go, we will all benefit from doing a little bit of turn-taking. And essentially, most role-playing games will try and control that to an extent with an initiative role or some cards or something, so that when you do get to the nitty-gritty, there is some rule stuff, and everybody's responsible for that. Savage Worlds is a great system for making that kind of stuff really public on the table by flipping down some cards. If you don't know, everybody knows who's going next, and it's not the GM's responsibility to hand out the cookies to everybody. Uh, But most games will try and control it, and just cleave to that a little bit. I think what does make sense is, don't check out when it's not your go. Don't step over everybody when it's not your go. But when it's not your go, you can still contribute. And that's where playing up will help. I think sometimes you see a lot of games where the GM would be like the central hub in a wheel, and the players around the outside of this conceptual wheel, and all the conversations going up and down the spokes. GM to player, player to GM, GM to another player, player to GM, and sometimes you don't see very much going around the outside of the wheel. So it can be really satisfying to just ask a question of another player. And if you're playing online as well, that does make it a bit tricky sometimes. It could fall over, but you know, if it's not your go, there's still things you could do. When when we play online, guys, we we sometimes play with a uh, Dope the Dice. You might know from the Grogan Files. The Dope's really, really, really good at bringing people along on his crazy schemes because he just Talks to the GM, but he brings another player with him all the time. And then you're, you're brought into the story. It's technically not your go, but you're
2: still participating. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's keeping everybody else involved as well, like you say. Um, so sort of the fun thing as well, some people get annoyed, some GMs, about interplayer chatter and stuff like that. So instead of interplayer chatter, have it intercharacter chatter. So your character speaks to another character about their backstory or what they're from or what you should do next as a plan. But just do it in character so it's still part of the game. You know, that stops breaking the, the flow of information around the table and it also stops you stopping and starting about whether you're playing or whether you look at your phone or whether you're chatting.
3: I've seen this come up in investigation games quite a bit. Which given that the chair and uh illustrious guests we might be worth talking about is that one of my struggles as a player is is having those kind of planning sessions or those meetings where the players are talking about what to do next. That's where it becomes sometimes a challenge for me. Is that it does seem like the players are talking to each other about what's this clue mean? Where should we go next? Who are we going to talk to? It's a player discussion. The key is to try and turn it into a character discussion. Yeah, and I exactly. think as the GM or the other players go, where are we having this discussion as investigators? Is it in the coffee shop? Is it in the library? Is it in that bloody sewer again? Why are we still here? <laughs> um, but little tips like that can like turn what would be out of game chatter into a nice little role-playing scene, actually. So I really wanted to ask Paul and Mike about investigation games. I'm I'm a bit crap at being an investigator character. I keep wanting to be Baz and solve it. How do I get around that?
1: Well, I don't think you necessarily have to be good at it. You just have to role play doing it. Right. So I think you can embrace some ineptitude and not have to be you know perfect at every job. Um, so, I mean, this kind of takes me on to another topic really about Embracing suboptimal decisions, and um, some players will really rail against that. Uh, so, uh, last year I played um, Tomb of Annihilation, the dnd campaign, and there's—I don't know if she's actually a character, a canon character in the campaign. Has anybody played it? No. Okay. Well, I'll just—I'll just tell you that. I'll just make it evident that. So. There's this, there's this old kind of witch-like character called Nanny Poo Poo. And <laughs> I swear Robin probably made this up knowing Robin. And, um, she's kind of got an eye for my, like, young wizardly character. He's like a teenage wizard. And, um, she's sort of, she's obviously up to no good, but she says, yeah, I'll come with you and help you if you swear that when you die, your soul will be mine. And I'm like, yeah, all right, that sounds great. Yeah, you come with us and help us because, like, my character, I decide my character doesn't believe in all that afterlife nonsense. And anyway, he's like seventeen; he's going to live forever, so I don't really care. But it was interesting that a couple of the other players said, "Paul, what are you doing? Don't, don't, don't do that because you know it'll be really bad for your character." So, th- but they weren't saying that in character; they were saying that as players. They were, they were sort of thought that was a bad thing to do. I thought it was great because it's going to create some conflict and an interesting like story. So
0: and and, and, and be unexpected because you don't know yeah. exactly what's going to happen. What the GM has No, I had right.
1: no idea, <laughs> but I had faith in the GM that it was going to be fun stuff. It was going to make fun stuff. So, uh, I, but I think there is a behavior that you see with some players that they kind of like Teflon coat their character. So it's like they go to great lengths telling you the precautions they're going to take. I'm not looking, I'm not looking. And it's layer, yeah, and I put a bag over my head, I tie the string, I like, (laughs) you know, it's every precaution, and but not just one layer, it's several layers of insulation from anything that the GM might do. And I just kind of think that they've kind of been screwed over by GMs in the past who, oh, you didn't say you were, you know, doing this.
0: I mean, that may, may certainly be for some people, but isn't, isn't, there are some people that actually do want to win. The, yeah, the, I, I want my character to get to eighteenth level. I want my character to be Lord of all I see, and now I'm going to win this game. Yeah,
2: so it's, it's what's, that, what's your are defin- there some people like that? What's the definition of winning? So if that's what you want to do, it's about session zero and having that uh, adult conversation with the people around the table. Say, like, what are we trying to what we want to do? Are we playing to have fun? Are we playing to get our character to twentieth level? What? How is this going to mm. work? If, I, I if, we, if, if we
0: agree that I'm going to get to 20th level, what happens then in Session 5 when you kill my character? You know I'm not going to have fun. Yeah, but I will, so that's, that's the <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's setting the expectations so you know what you're all trying to achieve. There's no point playing a game of Cthulhu, and your, your idea of goal is stay sane and don't die, and never investigate anything, because the game's about investigating things coming up against an insurmountable horror, and eventually your character will perish. But you fight the good fight anyway. So if you're not going to fight the good fight, why are we playing this game? So I've had discussion right up front and go, do we want to play this game? This is what it's about. Let's all try and do that thing. And if it's D&D, you're going to want to go down dungeons and get treasure and kill monsters and explore and things like that. If you don't want to do that, I think there's too many traps here. We're not going to go down this dungeon. <laughs> why are you playing that game? That's the whole premise. So it's probably don't do it in character. Do it out of character. but all just decide around the table what we're playing. And if you're in a group with the gem goes, I bought this game and that's what we're playing, you're all going to like it there's a risk then that it won't quite go well because the players might not have the same idea in their head. So as a group of people, just sit around and go, what do we want to play? What style of game are we playing? What, you know, what's the parameters? And everybody play to that premise. And at that point, if someone isn't doing it, everybody else can going say, come on board. Because I think that's the other point. It's like your conversation about spokes of the wheel is quite often funny social contract situations, like a convention where you've got a GM and maybe you don't know everybody around the table. Maybe you don't know the GM. But people seem to rely like, well, the GM's like now socially in charge of us all, so if there's any bad behaviour, we'll all sit here quietly and wait for the GM to sort it out. Because that guy's been an idiot, or this guy's been too bullshit, or whatever it is. But it's back to that everybody's response around the table. If you agree the premise up front, and someone's not going off on their own and not doing what other people want, other players should also say, come on, dude, you're not doing the right thing. Because it normally is a deed rather than... Well, it's always you know. a deed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, 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 you know, over the GM, I mean, there is that Unset expectation that the GM will solve every problem yeah. that arises in this four hours we're playing the game yeah. be it in the game or out the game and, and you are now you know you are in charge of the social the social aspects of the game as well as the game um, which isn't fair because we just said the GM is just another player yeah, yeah. isn't it the groups thing to just, do that you know,
3: just check yourself if you're, if you're not having fun in a session do you think there's nothing you can do about it as a player? I'd suggest you're wrong. There's everything you can do about it as a player. Probably the worst thing you can do if you're not enjoying a session is wait for somebody else to solve your problem. The way that role playing games work is you can attempt anything. You can say largely what you like, and in a lot of games you'll be encouraged to do that. So if things aren't going well for you, you're feeling a little bit bored, or you're a little bit out of it, or maybe it's just, you know, just a bad half hour or whatever, fix it. Fix it by saying, when it's your turn to do something, do something you want to do. What is stopping you? Now, every game will have sort of like scope, you know. So if you're playing Call of Cthulhu in the 1920s, you arguably aren't going to be able to say, I set off for Mars in my rocket. Or maybe you are, actually. Maybe you are. But, you know, it's. I don't think anyone's going to stop you having your fun. Is it even possible for other people to control your feelings in that way? You are master of your own destiny when you're playing a role-playing game, far more than you are in Ticket to Ride or Monopoly or Cluedo Ooh. or whatever, or even a video game. So just embrace that part of it, and you know, physician, heal thyself. You are you but can you've do got, stuff.
0: You've, absolutely, but you've also got to remember what you've said previously about don't go off and do your own.
3: Absolutely.
0: Try and keep bring the, people. With keep you. the rules together and keep the balance together at the same yeah. time.
3: Bring people with you, but you know, don't don't also feel like you know. You could be so polite, especially as I'm guessing with largely British people at a British convention, we could be too polite. And if you see somebody else like having their fun, it's like I don't really want to interrupt, but this is a role playing game and it is allowed. And you know, there are dice to resolve conflicts. I think we sometimes forget just how how easy it is to have fun in a role playing game, how complicated we make it for ourselves. And, and there's
0: also there's, there are little tricks, aren't there? there? I mean, you know, if you find yourself in that position and you really are running on dry and you just need a minute kind of thing. There is the kind of like, hey, can we take a five-minute...
3: Take a minute. Beer yeah. break, no, tea break, yeah. and
0: then have a word, have a quiet word with another player, or the GM, or whoever, or together, or whatever, just say, this isn't working. Can we, you know...
3: It keeps coming back to this. I think if you've got any kind of issue in your game at all, you have to step out of the game to solve it. You genuinely do. And I don't know why, but there seems to be a feeling that we can't stop the game, we can't stop the characterization because the game will die if we do... Of course you can. Every time you roll a dice, you're stopping the game for that microtransaction, aren't you? Because you're checking what the number is on the top of it. You're not actually immersed in your character at that point. It is so worth that five minutes to call a halt and to have a word with people to go, do you know what, dude, I'm not feeling it today. You, you're in a support group. You are largely playing with your mates. It will be all right. The game will survive that tiny, tiny break, and it will actually flourish because of it. So please don't be afraid of, of doing that stuff. The worst thing you can do, and I've done it, everyone's done it, is try to address a problem in the game. Characters being a bit of a knob, I fireball him. That is not going to solve the player problem that you have, okay? Dude's being a bit sketchy with my NPCs, and he's starting to frighten me a little bit. Don't give him some disease. That's Talk to the player. The player is the one who is controlling the character. It's so difficult to affect a human being through the medium of a character sheet in an imaginary situation. Just try talking to them like a grown up. It, it's horrible,
0: but it will work. There is, there is a submission of GM advice to throw in at this point to say that if that happens in your game, it's okay then when you go back to the game to reframe the scene. Absolutely. Move it on a day, whatever, and just say, actually, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we're going to draw a veil over what's just happened. That did happen. and It's all cool. But it's tomorrow now. And this is what's happening. Let's move on and just reframe and help help the game move
1: forward. And also, I think if you sit down at a game and you're not enjoying it and you decide it's not for me, you can say no disrespect to anybody, it's just really isn't for me. It's, I'm just not really meshing with it. You know, have fun guys, you yeah, know, carry on. And 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 leave the game. Particularly in a common game, I think if you if you sign up, maybe you don't really know what it's about and like I say, I've done it um, and I think everybody at this table you know, we've had conversations and we've been in games and if you're not enjoying it, you're probably just bringing it down for everybody else and sometimes you can, you know, change that with a conversation, but sometimes you just have to think, well okay, just bow out and the other thing about you saying about not being able to fix things in, uh, in character I, I entirely agree, and I think that comes back to that thing of what would my character do I played a game of. Uh, we were talking to Dirk and Dice. I played. I was at Grogmeet a few weeks ago, and we played uh, uh, Mothership. And at the end, it was kind of a, a, a flee out of the spaceship, get to the the airlock, get into the escape pods, hit the self destruct, and leave. Now, of course, you get there, and who know? Who would have expected it? There's not quite enough spaces in the life in the life Shock pod. It. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and one of the players is like a marine, and another player is a uh, an android, and the marine has got it in his brief that they're top priority, so he kind of looks around and just wastes one of the other player characters because, you know, there wasn't enough seats. And I was totally fine with that, but looking at the <laughs> other the player, <laughs> I wasn't involved, I just sat back. But looking at the other player, I'm like, I'm not sure that he was too... The one that got shot, I'm not sure he was actually too happy about that. Um, so I think you can step out, like like Baz was saying, you can step out and say, you know, I think, are you all right if I, like, screw you over here? Or or even, like, you know, my character's gone crazy, he's got a knife and we're locked in this room, I think he's probably going to, like, attack you. Is that is that cool? Because that seems like, you know a fitting thing that would happen here. <laughs> and certainly in a game like Call of Cthulhu, where it embraces the kind of death spiral and the downward thing, often I've had players go, yeah, yeah, of course it is, that sounds great. Um, I couldn't think of it by the way my character... Yeah. <laughs> but in a and d with a game back position, people are perhaps you know a bit more possessive of their characters. They tend to play them over a longer period, so you might um, come up with a different kind of resolution between you as players, and then step back into the fiction. So you know, make sure everybody's on board, particularly if you're going to go into PvP with that kind of like discussion that you have before starting the game. Make sure everybody's on the same page. It's easily said, but when you sit down at a table, I think most people think they're on the same page already because they're sat down in a role-playing game and in their head they know what a role-playing game is. But you know, it's not enough. Is it? Experience as a witness is that different people do have different expectations of what a role-playing game is, and sometimes those clash.
0: Okay, I've got I've got one more question, I th- and I think what we may do is open, you know, so get in mind if you've got a question. Uh, my question is, um, is it better for me to go away? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm now I'm going to run. Baz is going to run this game. Uh, that apparently is something called King of Dungeons or something. It's really good. Um, and uh, I've not played it before, but I think I'm going to really be remind. a really good player. <laughs> I'm going to uh, learn. All, I'm going to read the whole entirety of the rule book. I'm going to learn other rules. So when Baz forgets them, I can remind him. <laughs> Or should I keep well away from that book and then Buzz can just teach me the game and I don't have to do any prep? Where should I be on that scale?
3: Wherever you're comfortable being. It's okay to, do, to play the game the, the way that you want to play it. I think there's um you don't have to homogenise your games at all. Some, games are, some systems are better than this and others, but if you've got a GM and five players, those five players can all be playing largely a very different experience in a different way, and that's fine. Not only is that fine, that's the benefit of playing role-playing games as opposed to anything else. Take, for example, uh, you're playing a sci-fi game and the GM says uh, you pick up on your on your systems, you pick up an enemy spaceship, and that's all they take. Um, what does that look like in your head? Every single player will have a different vision of what that looks like. Without further description, they will all have totally different. If you got them all to draw it in secret and put it into an envelope, you'd be amazed what you get at the end of that. It's actually fine. That's a feature, not a bug. In the same way, you'll have people who want to be a bit of an expert in the game, really buy into it, do that homework. They really want to have their progression mapped out for the next year in advance. They've got some some backstory that they want to type up and email you. Is that okay if you can fold in my aunt? Uh, Okay. But then you'll have the other guys who just like casually look at WhatsApp as they're driving to the session, picking up a couple of beers on the way, get there and go, did anyone bring any dice? I forgot mine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's okay. Different player types, different player styles, as long as they're getting their fun and it isn't impacting on anybody else's. Why wouldn't you embrace that? Because then you've got like a team of specialists, haven't you? You've got the backstory guy, you've got the the guy who makes the tea and brings the biscuits, which is arguably far more important to me than the person who brings the (coughs) dice. It's okay to have those different levels of what you would call engagement, I think where it gets sticky is when we try and judge people for their level of engagement. I've grown over the years. I hope I've matured. And now I'm much more of a fan of the person who's quite silent and is a bit of a casual observer in the session. I I used to have very little tolerance for those guys. And that was bad of me because they are still having a great time. You speak to them afterwards. go, that was a great session. I go, what's it? Because you didn't say a word for four hours. You just had no space. And I, I, I thought you were hating it. You just don't know what's happening in someone's, health, in someone's head. You don't know what spaceship they're seeing when you say you encounter a spaceship. So it's good that people have different vectors into the game. As long as they're having fun, it's not impacting other people's. In fact, if it's encouraging other people's, good.
0: Excellent. Alright, I'm going to throw it open, because I know you're all bursting with Wisdom to ask, yes. So, uh, huh. Yep. yes. So the the question was about maybe use of the X card, uh, and, uh, kind of pre-game contracts, uh, and whether they can help to, uh, uh, establish and maintain or build the social construct and co- social contract of the game you're about to play. What's, what's your view on that, Gaz?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, the really basic one is introduce yourself when you get to a table, because that's quite often something that doesn't happen. You'll sit down with a bunch of strangers and someone says, pass the D4. You go, hello, I'm Gaz. What, what are you called? You know. So the very basic thing that like everybody can do first of all is just introduce yourself when you get to a table. Like, there's so many games i played afterwards, I know what their elf was called, but I don't know who they were. You know, that kind of thing. So just have that basic human interaction, and that'll get you started. But yeah, things like the X-Guide to make sure that everybody's comfortable with what's happening at the table, is perfectly acceptable and legitimate. Do you
0: use it in all your games?
2: uh, I don't necessarily. I offer it as an opinion. I I often say that people want to do lines and veils. So if there's things that people aren't comfortable with they want to tell me in advance they don't want to include in that kind of thing, that's all perfectly fine. But I tend to come at it the other way when I run games personally and say, this is what this game's about. These are the themes. This is the sort of thing that's going to come up. Is everybody okay with that? Anybody want to pare that down? Whatever. If anybody has a problem, let me know. Call a break. Whatever. And basically just make sure people are comfortable as human beings around the table. Again, it's that out-of-character thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm all a fan, and certainly conventions like Furnace up in Sheffield had this time, they just had a stack of X cards on the table when you came in, so all James players whatever could grab them and they are on all the table. so that's just like an easy thing for con organisers to do, is just print a bunch of cards up with of an X on, and just have them sat on the entryway, and here's your name badge, here's your X cards, away you go.
0: Any views, you want to add in
2: either of you two?
3: Yeah, there's... Um to add to that. I agree with everything Gaz says because it's easier for me that way. <laughs> um, but also, I think as, as gaming and as an industry, it's like 40 years old hobby. We're still pretty crap at coming up with vocabulary for dealing with this stuff. So, you know, what do you call a collection of gamers? We've got a GM, we've got players. But the, the, that term for everybody at the table doesn't really exist. When I wrote my game, I tried to make sure that I called it the table because there isn't another piece of vocab. I looked long and hard to find out where it was. You can... Arguably, you call it a group, might call it a party, but that's really talking about the players and the GM is a separate thing. If we can get that vocabulary game where we discuss things as a table, and that means everybody, that can only help. Session Zero, massively, massively important. I can't think of a game that wouldn't benefit from a Session Zero, maybe Paranoia, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it wouldn't get past well, Session Zero, <laughs> <laughs> Um but that that bit where you 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 generate your characters together you generate your world together you have those conversations it can be nice and casual everyone can just get used to things you can have a session 0 in a con it could be that 5 minute chat where you're saying what your real name is and like how you're doing and finding out if like two of the people who sat down in front of you were related to each other that I've seen that happen quite a lot though like boyfriend girlfriend or like mother daughter and you just don't know that stuff if you don't take the time to have that session 0 which is you know Be a player first, be a character second. And if you've got any issues, it's probably because you weren't spending enough time as a person before you were busy being the Dwarven Barbarian.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll just say I think the X-Card is good because with the pre-game contract, you've kind of got to, uh, if I'm understanding what you mean by that, you've got to anticipate what might crop up in the game. And in my experience, both as a GM and well, as a GM, I don't necessarily know what things I'm going to bring into the game because I'll improvise things that aren't in scenario. And I definitely don't know what things the players are going to bring in. Uh, so the X card is a kind of a catch-all uh, which hopefully serves that function.
0: Yes, Red. Right. So the question I'm repeating for the podcast recording is the um, the player that is really kind of into total character immersion who finds it quite difficult to then break character and have that discussion about how they could maybe integrate into the game better or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's generally, you know, the kind of, you know, the player, my character won't do this because, uh, what are you, you're about to say something, Gaz, I think.
2: Yeah, I was doing that goldfish thing while I thought, and you could probably see the smoke coming out of the back yes, of the game. Yes, I could. But I think where, it, where it's helpful is if everybody around the table, as we keep discussing, other players can try and help with that and not rely on the GM to solve that problem or anything like that. So if you can see that someone's, like, quite often the player will get trapped, They'll think this is the way my character plays, and they'll not want to take a course of action necessarily, but because they're immersed, they think, but I've got to follow through on it because that's what I've been doing all session or for the rest of the campaign. But it's then up to other players to kind of like suggest how you could knock them off that path. Even if they feel like they have to go down it, you can sort of bring in the suggestions to say, well, wouldn't you do this because X reason or way? Could you help me with that? And so you can do it in immersive ways as other players to try and just tap do a bit of course correction, just knock them, to help themselves get back on
0: track, I think, if that answers the comment. Would you, uh, Paul, would you like to say, well, well, let's have a coffee break, and then during the coffee break, when you're out of character, say, uh, Paul, your character, it's character's, <laughs> really getting on my nerves. <laughs> could you, uh, can we do something about it? This is real life, please, coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you should do, or is that what you, could you Yeah, that I mean,
1: that I think, I think you can. I think if, if there is just a barrier with the person that they they are so protective of their character that they won't sort of change the motivations of their character, then it's a difficult one. Um if they won't buy into that, then ultimately maybe you've got to say, well, okay, well your character that character is maybe gonna flee the country on an aeroplane and never come back. Let's make a new character that is uh is you know, hooked into the into the story. Uh maybe you've got like pull it up by the roots and start afresh. I don't know. Maybe you could get yeah, your,
0: your character disappears. Don't worry,
1: i will be back later.
0: Ah. With a, you know, yeah. a, on, the, on the other side now or whatever. So <laughs> doing a secret know, mission. Doing enjoying. a secret mission, yeah. Only totally um, fun. Any, anyone else? Uh, yes. yes. So, ad- advice for kind of power gamers, min-maxers? Sounds like Baz there. Baz ba- ba- <laughs> is wheelhouse,
3: it says. Yeah. Um, I, I think embrace power gamers and min maxers you know i don't again i don't want to be too judgy about player types because i've I've learned and it's been an emotional journey for me (laughs) uh, but i have learned that people will bring all sorts of things to the game is that power gamer that min maxer are they enabling their own fun Yeah. are they impacting anyone else's is this really a problem if it isn't really a problem let them get on with it that's fine right in the same way as I was talking about that casual observer who doesn't seem to be producing anything into the game. The question really is, are they taking anything away? Is that power game and min-max taking anything away? Uh, one of the guys in my regular game, um, my oldest friends, he is actually a lawyer in real life. And my goodness, is he a lawyer in a game? Um, and I've, uh, sometimes it's caused me to pull out what little hair I have remaining. But then I realized it was my problem, not his. What a great guy to have around the table for when things get a little bit gnarly and you need someone to actually get underneath the skin of that system. You need something to be resolved. You've, got a guy, you've basically got an assistant GM. And when I started treating him with the respect he deserved for the way he was enjoying his fun, everybody benefited. Um, is it really a problem is a question that I, need, I ask myself more often than I ever used to. And a lot of the time, no, it's not a problem. And actually, it could become a feature. Embrace it. Roll with it. Let them let them come on to you as power gamer. What is it they're trying to get out of the game? Cool. Let them have a go. Let them GM next week.
0: There you go. Yes. The question, you know, the question is about, you know, uh, do I how do I kind of tell the players they are, you know, do I tell them uh, heading in a direction that actually they their characters could all die or the game ends? And will that and will, are they okay with that? Or, you know, and so by having that conversation I can help direct how I'm gonna run the rest of the game. But by doing that, because the game, the nature of the game I'm playing is a bit mysterious, horror, unexpected ends, and all that kind of thing, do I ruin the game by doing that as
1: well? Um, Paul? By coincidence, I'm starting playing Curse of Strahd tomorrow (laughs) as a player. Uh, So I think you do... Well, I I think you know already, you need to have that conversation and just say to people, um, you know, we've played like 15 sessions, your characters are up to whatever level now, if it's 6th level or whatever, and... You know, you're going into some dangerous stuff here, and certainly the track you're taking. We could see like a TPK, a total party kill, uh, or you know, sometimes when I ran, I ran a, a long hours Magic game, and often it was, you know, you can kind of pull your punches a bit because they're characters that players have had for years. So, uh, but other sessions, I'd sort of say, well nobody's died for a long time i'm gonna really play it hard tonight yeah i'm gonna play it hard and push it at you and they kind of realize oh actually yeah we need to be careful going down this dungeon or whatever it was because you know everything's on the table so i think yeah i think you do need to kind of communicate to them that there's a potential for uh death and you can, you can you set it up casually as well, I think. That. Like in between yeah. sessions,
2: you can kind of say, like, I can't believe you guys did that. You know it's coming back to bite you in the ass, right? And you can have those sort of conversations around, if you make it through the next couple of sessions, I'm going to be surprised. But good luck to you. And that, you just set them up with the idea that this might be coming <laughs> down the road.
1: You know. Yeah,
0: my worry is that. I think, you need, yeah, I think we, we all agree, you need a conversation out of game yeah. to say, are you all enjoying this? Uh, you know, we had that thing a little while back where we had to redo that scene because you guys didn't didn't realise you could die in the role playing game. Um, and so, you know, we're we we're, we're in this situation. It's gonna get you know, it's gonna get tough. And if and, and I'm warning you now, if you make poor decisions in character, the 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 consequence might result in injury or death to your character because that's the game we're playing now.
1: And you might be surprised by their responses, because certainly as a player, maybe because I'm primarily a Call of Cthulhu player in D anD D, I'm like, bring it on. Playing for ages, nobody's died. <laughs> so
2: I'm How gonna, unrealistic! I would,
1: I would have been quite happy for my character to, to have died at some point, particularly if it's you know if it's like a dramatic death, uh, then you know that that. Seems we, memorable we and fun we to me. We
0: don't, we don't, sit around in bars at conventions talking about, would oh, you remember my character lived? <laughs> 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 we talk about how they went out and the great things they did and the last, the last moment they managed to rip the diamond out of the jaws and throw it to your character and you ran off and became king and I died. But that's what we talk it's about. Okay. That's what's fun. That's what's, that's a memorable thing. We don't talk about living. Right, right, we man. don't live in, you know, <laughs> you know. but yeah. Anyway, okay. We've got one last question. I'm going to search the room. It's going to be a random randomness of a chap right at the back. Leave the room. <laughs> so don't tell
2: me. Tell them I'm going for a coffee. And let me know what you decide when I come back. Remove yourself from the situation.
1: Yeah, so. think, Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, as as GM speak in character, and your players will respond, uh, and yeah, there's a facilitation. And, and we're talking about how to be a good player, so. Being a good player is talking to the other players, both in in character and out of character. So that's we're not giving GM advice, we're giving player advice.
0: Thank that's you. Thank you for coming. Thanks to Baz, Gaz, Paul. We're here all day.